That was very cool. I'll start off by saying Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, or at least Happy Thanksgiving tomorrow. You know, I found a, a can this week with a warning label that said this, warning contents under pressure. I started looking at that, and I started thinking about some of the people I've met recently, and I wish I could put labels on certain people that I've met recently that says, warning, contents under pressure. I realize that I've just met a lot of people, maybe lately, maybe all year, that maybe they've lost perspective a little bit, become so consumed with the here and now, become so consumed with the stuff they have to do or where they have to go or the schedules they have to keep, and they're just stressed out of their minds. They're, they're stressed beyond a healthy a healthy level, to be honest, any stress is probably beyond a healthy level. And they've just forgotten that God is in control and that God has given them so much. And in the midst of that stress, sometimes I think it's hard for us to remember to be thankful. And I guess that's what I want to talk to you a little bit about tonight. There's a well-known stress scale called the home stress scale, which lists the 100 most stressful events that you could ever have in your life. Death of a spouse, a divorce, death of a loved one, and it goes on and on. On that scale, though, after much study, they've discovered that the single most stressful time of year is the period between Thanksgiving and New Year's. And that video, I think, wonderfully demonstrates the why to that. But you start worrying about stuff that maybe you don't through the rest of the year. You start worrying about the dinner tomorrow, Thanksgiving dinner. Will it go right? Will the turkey be on time? Will everything taste good? Will everybody be nice to each other? Will everybody be sweet? Then you start worrying about presents. Start worrying about parties. You start worrying about all kinds of problems that could arise that maybe won't, but they might. About the gifts, about the finances of how you're going to afford it all. Some of you worry about the relatives that are going to come to your house that you have to see. Maybe you've already seen them tonight. Maybe they come tomorrow. Stress level goes up significantly. In fact, somebody once said this, that this is the season to be uptight. In fact, I was at the mall Friday and I was looking for a parking spot and there's nothing that takes away that Thanksgiving feeling quicker than looking for a parking spot at the mall because you start worrying and you start getting stressed and all of a sudden you lose all perspective. But you know what? Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Kind of like the kids as they began to sing, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. And so the question is, how are you going to be thankful? And I don't just mean where you say I'm thankful, but where you authentically mean, where you genuinely mean where you truly mean from all your heart that you're thankful for stuff. And maybe more specifically, how do you be thankful in the midst of those times where things aren't going your way, when things are just rough or they're hard or they're difficult? Philippians 4, God begins to give us some wisdom on this. And Paul says in verse 4, it says, May you always be joyful in your life in the Lord. Now you look at that verse and you look at your life and you start saying, How is that even possible? Is it even possible to be joyful no matter what the circumstance? Sometimes we just think no, but God this evening says, I'm not going to say that word right. He's going to say absolutely yes. That's what he's going to say. In fact, it's our tradition on the eve of Thanksgiving here at St. Mark to share the Lord's Supper together. And one of the words in the Lord's Supper in Greek is the word Eucharist or Eucharistos, which just means I receive this with Thanksgiving. I think it's an appropriate time to take the Lord's Supper, especially on this night and this eve But before we get to that point, I want to share with you a couple of scriptures that I think give us a strategy for how do we survive this holiday season? Or how do we survive all the stress and the anxiety and the worry and the, well, just some of the fear that goes along with this season? I'd even go so far as to suggest you write some of these things down and post them up on your refrigerator door for the next few months, right? Just so you can re-remember 
So you can remember that there is a, a reason for the season, that there is a way to get through. And one of the first things that I, I'll give you to write down is this Philippians 4, verse 6 verse. We read it already in the service, but I'll just read, read a portion of it. Paul writes this. He says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, well, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on a little later in that verse. He says, Finally, whatever is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable, think about such things. That's where I think we get into trouble. We don't always think about the good stuff. And the God of peace will be with you. You know, it's a very short passage, but in this passage, God gives us three strategies or three keys to surviving the stress, especially the stress of the holidays. And again, as we go through these things, you'll say, Hey, these are pretty easy to say, but sometimes, oftentimes, they're hard to implement. But I'm going to go through them anyway, because one of the first things that you see in this text is that God says this to us. He says, worry about nothing. In verse 6, Paul says it this way. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Do not fret or have any anxiety. But to be honest, again, that's easier to say than it is to do. There's no wet sweat to say it, but as soon as you finish saying it, all of a sudden you're starting to worry. Maybe you're worrying about tomorrow, worrying about people that are coming into town, worrying about the dinner, worrying about will everybody be nice. There's a magazine called the Smithsonian Institute magazine that says that we are in the golden age of anxiety today. And so it's no wonder that people get uptight. They get up to an alarm clock in the morning, not a comfort clock, but an alarm clock, and it goes on and we get up and we're all uptight. Then the first thing you do is you turn on Bad Morning America. Right? And you start looking at it. It's not enough that you've got your own problems. You've got to add to your problems Syria and Iran and Iraq, the economy, health care, the national debt, half a dozen other things that are happening too. You sit down to breakfast and you're eating Raisin Bran and you're so proud of yourself because you're getting some fiber in your diet. You know, and, but you're reading the newspaper on your iPad or on your computer or if you're old-fashioned with an actual piece of paper, you're reading the newspaper and you're looking at it. There's more bad news. Then you get in your car and you start driving and you turn on the all-talk radio and there, sure enough, they're telling you more about what's going on in our country, in our nation, in our society as a whole, in our world today. And there's some really, really bad news. And so it's no wonder that we get stressed out as we get to work. But God says in the midst of that morning, in the midst of that day, in the midst of our life, in the midst of this season called the holidays, God says, don't worry. In fact, he says, worry about nothing. I came across some stats about worry, actually, or some facts about it. I came across a guy named Dr. Walter Calvert who did a study and discovered that 40% of all your worries never happen. I think that's awesome. That means you can take the top 10 worries that you have and just throw out four of them because they don't matter anyway. I think that's awesome. Then he goes on to say this, that 30% of your worries concern the past. We've talked about this before, but you know that worry cannot change the past and that worry cannot control the future. All worry does, really, is it messes up today. So you can worry about the past all you want, but it's not going to change anything in your past. It's over, it's done, the past is past. And it's not going to be able to control your future, no matter how much you do it, no matter how much you stress, no matter how much you worry about it. So you can't control the past and you can't control the future, no matter how much you do it. And so God says, or this study says, that 40% of them aren't even going to happen, and 30% are just stuff you cannot control. So 70% of your worries are essentially worthless. Then it goes on and says that 12% of your worries are about needless health concerns, like the hypochondriac who, writ, who wrote on his tombstone, I told you I was sick. <laughs> then 10% of your worries are insignificant and petty issues. So you get down and there's only 8% that are actual legitimate concerns. 
And so what I want you to do tonight, and this is action step number one, if you will, I want you to take those 8% of your worries, and I want you to pick a time of day that you're going to do all your worrying. It could be like from 4 to 4.15 in the afternoon. I mean, that would be great. And I want you to, to bring all your worries, all the possible worries that you're going to have to those, the 8%, right? And I want you to worry between 4 and 4.15 tomorrow, and then you'll have the rest of your day. So if another worry comes up in the midst of the day, you say, it's not my worry session yet. I'm going to hold that off until 4. It would be an incredible thing if we could actually do that. Kind of combine all our worries in 15 minutes so that we'd have the rest of our day, our whole day, every day, to expend on enjoying life and not worrying so much. Pick one period of day, and that's when you say, I'm going to worry about those 8%. They're actually legitimate concerns. And I say that because worry is a learned response, and if it's a learned response, you absolutely know, because I've said this before, that it can be unlearned. The question is, how do you unlearn it? And Jesus began sharing this with us in Matthew 6.34. He says this, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. He's saying don't open an umbrella until it starts raining. Not really sure where that saying comes. Pretty sure it doesn't happen in, or come from Arizona because it just doesn't rain here. But the reality is it makes sense. God is just saying this. Don't worry about anything. And just focus on the stuff of today. The key to reducing stress in your life is to live one day at a time. To focus on today's problems and today's issues. But worry, again, about nothing. It's interesting, though, as Paul wrote these very words, he did so from prison. He was in a prison in Rome in a dungeon, and he's saying, don't worry about anything. If I was in a prison in Rome in a dungeon, I might be worried about a great many things. But Paul says, don't worry about anything. Whenever God tells us, too, to do something or to not do something, he always gives, he always gives us a positive replacement. Whenever God has a don't, he always has a do. Anytime he eliminates one thing from your life, he usually adds something else to it, which just leads us to the second step. So step one is worry about nothing, and step two, God says, is to pray about everything. Paul says it this way, he says, In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I know you listen to that again, and you're saying, Well, Pastor, you just don't get it. I don't have any time to pray. And that's okay. I know you're busy people, so I have a solution for you. If you would just use the time that you have right now to worry and would pray instead, I promise you, you have all the time you need to pray. And if you actually pray, then I also promise you that you'll have a whole lot less that you'll have to worry about. And so don't add any prayer time to your schedule. Just use the time that you're already using to worry and pray instead. And then God goes on to say this. He says, in everything, not just some things, but in everything that you can come to God with. Now, I know there's some people in my life, I, I know them, and I don't understand them, but I know them. They think that God only cares about religious things. God cares about how many people I talk to in Christ, how many people I invite to church, how much I tithe, how, many, how much I give, all sorts of different things like that. But is God interested in your car payment, too? Absolutely. Is he interested in your post-nasal drip? You betcha. Is he interested in the heartbreak of psoriasis? Absolutely. He is interested in every detail of your life. That's what's so remarkable about God. He cares deeply about every single aspect of your life. In fact, if it's worth worrying about, God says it's worth praying about, that there's nothing that's insignificant to him. And so you can pray about everything, and you can pray about anything. And then Peter goes on to kind of expand this just a little bit in 1 Peter 5, 7, and he says this, Unload all your worries on him, since he is looking after you. I think we have this struggle, and especially in our Christian culture in America today, and I'll just call it just in the church in general, and I think we need to learn how to unload our problems more instead of worrying so much about them. 
See, we actually know about this amazing gift that God has given us called prayer. It actually connects us with the supreme being of the entire universe, the the, the ultimate power of the entire universe. And God has given it to us. And we know this because we're in the church. People sometimes ask me, how do you handle stress? I say, I pray. And, And I continue to work on giving things over to the Lord and continuing to release things over to the Lord. You keep hearing me say that peace comes from trust. Sometimes I just have to trust that God's got it. And amazingly, it gives me peace. And I love the word Greek, the unload in the Greek. It literally means just to let it drop. It's not to toss it or throw it or to heave it 15 feet. It just says that this is the kind of load that is so heavy you couldn't hoist it if you had to. He says, just let it go. You imagine just having this huge weight in your hand and you don't have to throw it someplace to be forgiven or you don't have to throw it someplace to God to give you peace instead of the stress. You just have to drop it. You just have to give it to God. And God says, that's what I want you to do with your worries. Dump it on him. Unload him. Learn to unload your stress through prayer. Paul says then, he says, unload them. Give God every detail of your life. Peter says, unload them. Unload all your worries since he's looking after you. You know, I recently read that all the major insurance companies have done studies that discovered that if you attend church every single week, you'll live on average 5.7 years longer than people who don't attend church every week. I started wondering why, and they didn't have any idea why, but my guess is it might be is that people that go to church every week may have learned a little bit on how to unload on the Lord. And so they decompress a little bit more than the average person. They let God have their worries. They let God have their stress. Because the reality is if you don't talk it out with God, you're going to take it out on yourself. When you swallow all your issues, all your worries, your stomach keeps score. You've got to let go and to let God. You've got to learn to unload. And then God gives us this last step, which I guess brings us back to the whole theme of the evening. The third step is essentially this, thank God in all things. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Paul writes again, he says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances. Does that mean tomorrow at lunch or dinner or whenever you guys have Thanksgiving? Yeah. Does that mean giving thanks for him in the middle of the mall when everybody's screaming at the nearest toy or whatever it might be? Yeah. Or when you're fighting for the parking spot. Yeah. But I want you to notice one word in this text that is super important. It's the word in. I think it's the most important word to keep you from misinterpreting this verse because it does not say give thanks for every circumstance. And that's often the misinterpretation you see with like the TV preachers or stuff like that where they say things like, you should give thanks for everything, you know, just everything in your life. But the Bible doesn't teach that. It says give thanks in every circumstance. So you have a flat tire, do you have to say praise the Lord? Or your car just has a wreck? Thank you, God. No, that's kind of loony Christianity, but not biblical Christianity. You don't have to give thanks for evil in this world. God does not command that. If my children were murdered, I would not be thankful for that. I'll tell you that right now. If my wife came down with cancer, I would not be thankful for that. When there is war with one country against another country, I'm not thankful for the war. The Bible does not say that we have to be thankful for evil. It says this, in every circumstance give thanks, not for every circumstance. So you start asking, well, what's the difference? That God can even out of bad bring good. And that in every circumstance, no matter how bad it can be, you can give God in the circumstance thanks. Because I know that he has a purpose that's bigger than the problem. I know that he'll give me a power to overcome the problem that I'm dealing with. I know that he'll, through the experience, help me grow if I let him. In every 
in every circumstance, even in the evil that happens to us in this life, in the world, I can be thankful because I know that my God is greater than the problem. You don't have to find, go too far to find evil in the world. You turn on the television and there it is. You go to work and there it is. You watch some things happening in your own neighborhoods and there it is. You don't have to drive too long on the freeway. There it is, you know. In every circumstance, though, God is greater than our problems, than our struggles, than our worry, than our stresses. And God is able. A lot of people ask sometimes, they say, how do you know what God's will is for my life? And it's right here. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for us in Christ Jesus. You want to know what God's will for you is? In everything, give thanks. In fact, I'll just say, if you're not experiencing an attitude of gratitude in your life, you could know that you're out of God's will because you've lost perspective. You're focusing so much on the minutia that you forget who's in charge. You're focusing so much on the here and the now that you're forgetting eternity. You're focusing so much on yesterday and tomorrow that you're forgetting God's blessings of today. We lose perspective. And you start saying, well, how grateful can I be? I've lost so much. I've lost my job. I've lost my health. I've lost my wife. I've lost my husband or whatever it might be. How can I be thankful in this situation? And God just says this, you look not at what you've lost, but what you have left. And to be honest, most of us, all of us, have so much that's left, starting with the fact that you're just alive today. You look at what you have left. And so one of the questions I want to leave you with this evening is just this. What is it that you're taking for granted right now? your health, your freedom, the relationships that God's given to you in this life, in everything give thanks. You see, gratitude is a stress reliever because it gets your eyes off the problem and it gets it on the positive things of life. Gratitude is an amazing stress chamber where we can get rid of all of our chest because it gets our eyes off the problem and on the solver of our problem. And that's why tonight we're celebrating Thanksgiving. It's an expression much like that of the early settlers, of gratitude to our most amazing God for all the amazing gifts that he continues to give us. So worry about nothing. Pray about everything. And give thanks in all things. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.